Welcome to the Locked On Texans podcast. In today's episode, we will talk about why the Houston Texans had a Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, one of those strange cases, first and second half. Look at Tim Kelly and also let's maximize the conversation around Davis Mills as he operated at quarterback without Tyrod Taylor looking over his shoulder. Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Thank you for making us your first listen. Today's episode is dedicated to Demarius Thomas. Rest in peace, Demarius Thomas. As you guys may or may not know, Thomas spent half a season in Houston during the 2018 year. Thomas passed away over the weekend. He was a great football player, but an even, even better uh, human being. And so, uh, you know, nothing but good to God, good spirits to God to his family and all of his loved ones. And shout out to Simmons, Justin Simmons on Sunday. Got an interception, ran over to the uh, 88 on the sideline for Denver, you know, kind of dedicated that to Demarius Thomas. So, uh, you know, shout out to him. But the Houston Texans suffered a loss on Sunday against the uh, Seattle Seahawks, 33-13, to in a game where it seemed winnable at halftime. It kind of reminded me of that Carolina Panther game, if you guys don't remember. But before we talk about that game, I want to let you guys know, of course, of some key Important facts that we saw on Sunday. Davis Mills had himself a day, 33 of 49 from the field, 331 yards, one touchdown. Should have had two, but one touchdown on the day, only sacked two times, had a QB rating of 93.2. The Houston Texans rushed for a total of 63 yards. Brandon Cooks, who had been a shell of him former self, he had eight catches for 101 yards, 2.6 yards per catch, and 11 targets. Nico Collins, the rookie, I think this was his best game. Five catches for 69 yards on Sunday, averaging 13.8 yards per catch. And then the rookie, Brevin Jordan, who did get an opportunity to finish the game. He had four catches for 26 yards and one touchdown towards the back of the end zone. As a total, as a whole, the Houston Texans combined for 60 tackles on Sunday. No sacks, three pass deflections, and five tackles for loss. Uh, early in the game, they did a very good job of getting after the quarterback, Russell Wilson. But their issue on Sunday was allowing the Seahawks, which is something that we talked about uh, with Corbin Smith from the Locked On Seahawks, was getting them, allowing them to get going on the ground game. Going into Sunday's game, uh, Rashard Penny only had 78 total yards on the year. Okay? On the year, on, I want to say, 26 carries, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the Seahawks rushed for almost 200 yards with 193, two touchdowns. Two of those touchdowns came from Rashard Penny on 16 carries for 137 yards. And that was something that we talked about. You know, Houston cannot allow teams to maximize on the bad things that they do, which has been a trend for them this entire year. The Houston Texans had uh, 16 passing first downs, six passing, I'm sorry, six rushing uh, touchdowns on Sunday. They were three for 13 on third down. And, you know, I look at Tim Kelly, I can't wait to have the discussion about him. Uh, also, they had a total of 380 yards on Sunday, 11 drives, 
5.0 yards per carry. And as I mentioned before, uh, 317 came from Davis Mills. Also, the Houston Texans were one for three in the red zone. Didn't have an opportunity to maximize on all of those opportunities on Sunday. Six penalties for 52 yards, and they held the ball. They won the time of possession by 33 minutes, 19, compared to 26-41 to the Seattle Seahawks. And some key injuries from Sunday's matchup, uh, Houston Lost Kamu Grugier here with a knee injury. Rex Burkhead with a groin injury. And remember, Houston started Sunday's game with only two active running backs on the roster due to David Johnson being put on the uh, COVID list. Justin Reed and Desmond King went out on Sunday with a concussion. And Brevin Jordan did not finish the game as well. Cody, what are some of the things that you saw on Sunday that, you know, I would say, let's look at it from both ways. Let's not be total negative. What are some positives that you took away from Sunday? And what are the negatives, which I'm sure you may have a lot from that second half of the game, but <laughs> what are some of those negatives that you saw on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks? Well, when I take a look at the positive, first and foremost, and of course in the second half, we're going to talk a lot about Davis Mills, but I just want to give a shout out to the rest of the rookie class. I mean, you take a look at what Nico Collis and Brevin Jordan did right before Jordan went down. I believe, I, I can't remember if it was a concussion or a knee injury, but in the second half, the Texans just started dropping like flies. But, um, you know, that was part of the reason why I was a little bit excited to see Davis Mills get into the game, because remember, John and listeners, it, does, it didn't matter if it was OTAs. It did not matter if it was training camp or preseason. Davis Mills, Nico Collis, and Brevin Jordan literally took a lot of time this offseason going into the season getting a lot of reps with one another. And we saw flashes of it early on in the season, but it was hard to truly see what those three can do when they're out on the field. Because remember, when Davis Mills was starting his first six games, um, um, Brevin Jordan he, he, he was inactive every single game. Nico Collins played the first two games, and then next thing you know, he got hurt. And by the time he started getting going, Tyrod Taylor came back, and Davis Mills got hurt. This was the first time that we actually saw those three guys go out there on the field. And this is part of the reason why I believe we saw a very good game from Davis Mills is, is because he has a lot of comfort, a lot of chemistry with those two guys. And Nico Collins – and by the way, John – it's ironic that we're sitting here talking about the best game that we've seen from Nico Collins. That's because he got the most chemistry and camaraderie with Davis Mills. Agreed. Davis Mills, Agreed. Brevin Jordan looked really good throughout this game. I, I would also like to add, and I know you're about to go into your negatives, guys, <laughs> but I would also like to add that I think – I want to add to that. I want to you know, kind of coattail that, that, you know, the best game out of Nico Collins – the best game so far out of Brevin Jordan. And guess who else had his best game? Davis Mills. And so I'm, I want to add to that. I think Davis Mills had a good game because he knew that no matter what he did in his game, I'm not getting subbed out, right? <laughs> and I'm the man for the rest of the year. And as you mentioned, throughout OTAs and, and, and during the uh, offseason, those were the guys that were really working together a lot. This was one of the few games this year where they were all active and getting great playing time. And I also want to add that Davis Mills, and we'll get into that a little bit more, had the opportunity to switch it up heavily in that first half. Uh, at one point, he was 14 for 14 from the, from, the, uh, from, the, from the field on Sunday. You know, was precise with his throws, uh, great decisions, and were putting it on the money. Receivers were making plays. Brandon Cooks made a play. 
Conley made a couple plays. Uh, shout out to Brevin Jordan, who had his, the, the long touchdown for the Houston Texans, staying open, just kind of creeping through the back of that end zone, and hmm. Mills was able to find it, right? So, you know, I saw a confidence out of Davis Mills that I didn't see in the previous, you know, what, six or seven games that he played in. I guess we can say a total of seven with the two halves that he had to relieve Tyrod Taylor. So the confidence was there. And for Nico Collins, that was a game that I wanted to see more of throughout the year. You know, he had five catches. I want to say he had eight targets. We mentioned, uh, was the last week or the week before last, what do we want to see moving forward? And I mentioned one thing. I wanted to see more targets to Nico Collins. Get that young man involved, which is great. And then Davis Mills, he had some of the yards early in the year, but no touchdowns. He should have had two touchdowns on yesterday. Only ended up with one, but they had a great game collectively on adding to your point that 2021 draft class, you know, showed promise on Sunday. And I'm gonna mention this in the second segment, but I honestly do think Davis Mills could have three, could have had three touchdowns in this game. However, when you talk about the negatives, and in the last segment, of course, we're gonna touch on the defense. But John, I honestly don't want to take too much time on this, if I'm being honest, because once again, we're looking at a situation where Tim Kelly calls this team a winnable opportunity. And look, you you take a look at the play calling that he did in the first half. It was very solid. You know, he let Davis Mills go out there, showcase what he was able to do. And if you go back and take a look at my my Twitter page, the very first tweet that I tweeted yesterday morning, I said, I want to see the Texans open up the playbook for Davis Mills. They did it in the first half. They put 13 points on the board. And honestly, I could say they could have easily had 21 points because there was a couple questionable calls that did not go the Texans' way. But once again, in the second half, I don't know if Nick Casario or Jack Easterby or uh, (laughs) Cal Magnair, you know, saying, hey, you know, we let you guys. Yeah, you know, hey, we let you guys have fun in the first half. Tim Kelly, we let you get a little audition in. Now it's time for us to get back on the tanking board. I just don't understand while we saw a complete 180 in the play calling, and once again, it made the offense stagnant, and we saw another half where the Texans went scoreless. Like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it because, like I say every week, we could copy and paste what we said in the game against the Colts and the game against the the the, the Jets and the game against the, um, the, Dol- the Dolphins, the Carolina Panthers, especially that game. It's the same thing. It all goes back to Tim Kelly either being terrible throughout the whole game with his play calling or being good in one half. And then all of a sudden in the, in the second half, it's like, why are you changing something that was working? I don't get it. One of my positives, I forgot to mention, Cam Johnson, the punter for Houston, oh, 67 God. punts on the year. <laughs> He is a pro bowler. Y'all laughed at me when I mentioned that a couple weeks ago when, when Houston, Texas put that uh the uh, who who was the uh who gonna make the pro bowl and I said Cam Johnson. Some folks laughed at me, but one of the negatives that I'm gonna take away from this game, you know, you're looking at Tim Kelly, which is fair, so I'm not gonna coattail that, but the Seattle Seahawks have been very bad running the ball, and even though Houston is number 31st in, in, in run defense. This was a game where you couldn't allow Rashard Penny, who doubled nearly the yards that he had total on the year in one game against you guys. And there were times where it seemed like the front seven was just getting blew up. 
right? Those are some of the things that I look at and I say, hey, we can't allow that to happen. Of course, there's more negatives, but I think without Rashard Penny, that run game with almost 200 yards, I don't think the Seattle Seahawks win on Sunday. And without Tim Kelly, I don't think the Houston Texans only scored 13 points, all in the first half, none in the second. That is very unacceptable. I 100% agree with you with that, Cody. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the holiday season. On Sundays, you will have basketball, the NBA. You will have football. And with the holidays here, your family may want to come over and watch holiday movies. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV brings you DirecTV streams, which brings your TV live, on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Coach, can you talk about your evaluation that you saw from rookie quarterback Davis Mills today? About Davis? Um, yeah, I thought he did a nice job. I mean, he's, he's composed. He's, he throws the ball real well. He's an accurate thrower. Um, Strong enough, you know. And I mean, he, this is what we saw on film. You know, he looked like a like a good player, and, and uh, so and he did it again. We didn't slow him down much early, um, but all in all, I, I, you know, he gets a bunch of yards because of the, the late in the game and all that. But um, I thought he did pretty well. You know, that's kind of what we saw. We expected it that way. I'm sure that's what the coaches are seeing. That's why they made the move they they, they made. That was Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll. I had an opportunity following yesterday's game to ask him about davis mills because look john listeners viewers <laughs> davis mills had the seattle seahawks kind of nervous especially in that first half and john i i actually saw something that i really wanted to see from davis mills with him taking over and being the houston Texans starting quarterback for the remainder of the season and one of the things that i that i touched on the first time we saw davis mills as a starter was his decision making but this game, I honestly do believe that this might not have been his best game because I still think that the that the loss that the Texans sustained against the New England Patriots is still his best. But I do believe that this is his best decision-making game. And one, I loved, I loved how he spread the ball around and got all of his receivers involved. We talked about Nico Collins, but he actually made this one of those Brandon Cook's best game of the season. I mean, yep. there was there was so many times where he spread the ball, and I love it. However, going back to his decision-making, what I love most about his decision-making, and it seems like he's able to pick up blitz packages a lot more, and he's starting to nitpick what the opposing team defense is doing is doing and i'm gonna go back to by far my favorite play of the day from davis mills and i saw this whole entire play happening it took place i believe early on in the second quarter somewhere like around a 10 to 9 minute mark if you guys want to go back and see it and right before davis mills took the snap from justin Britt, i don't remember what safety it was but there was a safety dropping down in the blitz on the left side and davis mills saw that and by the time he received the snap, he instantly knew that there was going to be a gap open for Brandon Cooks, because I do believe Brandon Cooks might have been playing the slot on that play, that there was going to be an opportunity for Brandon Cooks to be open. As soon as he took, took the snap, in a split second, he hit Brandon Cooks for some positive yardage. Th that was my favorite play of the game, because when I go back and I take, and if when I go back, 
and I take a look at those first six games of Davis Mills, I think that ends in a sack or a fumble. <laughs> I want to talk about that confidence, man. I want—I really want to look at it because, you know, there was a kind of a, a different swag to Davis Mills on Sunday. And I'd point to when Brandon Cooks, the big catch that Brandon Cooks had down the sideline, and I want to say that they called that back, right? And Davis Mills was, you know, he was looking like, hey, well, I, I ain't going to take away Mark. You know, I just got through a, a, a very great ball, um, kind of a back shoulder throw to Brandon Cooks. I ain't going to take that away from me, but just joking a little bit. But he had swag throughout the entire game, uh, well, entire first half. You know, when you open up a game with the decisiveness of going 14 to 14 the way he did, and during that 14 to 14, he accounted for one touchdown that Brandon Cooks was called back because he was down just very short and he was on the ground, right? So it could have been 14 for 14, two touchdowns over 100 yards, uh, perfect pass rate, doing everything that you would want to see out of a Davis Mills, out of a player like Davis Mills in this rookie year where, you know, I hate to be the guy where we beat the same drum, but when we discussed what did we want to see from Mills uh, by the end of this year because it was announced that uh, the ligament happened, the tear with Tyrod Taylor, possibility of Davis Mills getting the start on Sunday and then we heard the news that he will be the starter for the remainder of the year and I think that was with a bad play but they, they're giving him an opportunity we have that discussion what do we want to see touchdowns were my, my number one and previously in the year so far we've talked about we want to see him be more decisive and quickly with his reads and that's what we saw on Sunday but that confidence was strong uh, I hate that we didn't get opportunity to see that for a full game which is, you know, how many times have we said that about Davis Mills and Tim Kelly and that relationship? And I look at that relationship, it's going to be strained until uh, one of those guys leaves. And there's no way Tim Kelly returns as an OC for next year. I, I, like, we, we look at a lot of things that, the, that may possibly happen for next year, but going into year two, I don't see Nick Casario bringing Tim Kelly back. And if that happens... People are mad about Jack to be being around. People are mad about the hiring of David Cully and what that means for next year. Uh, in, his, in, his, in his first year, the five-year contract, we know Nick Casario has six years, but there's no way Tim Kelly comes back. And if he does, then I think that speaks more to uh, this organization than what Jack be so far, at least for this year, than what Jack be has meant for this team. I think so, because if you bring him back, that means you are fine with being complacent, Vanilla, and as Todd Gurley <clears throat> once called Jeff Fisher, middle school uh, offense. This is a few years ago we talked about another eight and eight, another nine and whatever. You're comfortable having a middle school offense in the NFL where these guys are pros. This is not 13, 14, 12. These guys are 20, 24, 25, making millions of dollars. And this is what we continuously see out of Tim Kelly. Now, coming to your point early in the year, I mean, early in the show, Maybe he got the call and said, hey, man, y'all doing a little bit too good. <laughs> Maybe. Slow it down. Slow it down. But to your point of uh, Davis Mills getting everybody involved, the Houston Texans had six players with four or more targets. I'm sorry, four or more catches on Sunday. Six. The Houston Texans had three with six or more. That is positive. And that was Davis Mills. That was Davis Mills hitting Nico Collins, not Nico Collins, but Chris Conley quickly on a wraparound play action. That was Davis Mills hitting Nico Collins right in stride down the middle of the field on the scene right. That was Nico Collins making sure that his top weapon, 
the best player on this team, Brandon Cooks, got 11 targets. And putting them where they're very catchable. Out of those 11 targets, he caught eight for one-on-one. That's what I like to see. Now, will that continuously happen? We just hope so. But we can't leave out this game as, as because as bad as Houston has been, as bad as Davis Mills has been so far this year, got to give this young man some credit. Shout out to Davis Mills' dad. Heard that he got the start. He was going to be started for the rest of the year. Came out, had dinner uh, with his son over the weekend before Sunday's game. So maybe his dad just kind of came down. They probably kicked the back, talked football, had a couple of drinks, and just said, son, go play your game. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar has ever tasted. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugars, net carbs, and fats, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. The perfect snack for you to have in your purse, have in your jacket, tucked away whenever you are going on these shopping sprees for Christmas. You got to get the kids something, right? And kids want what they want. You got to go out there and beat your feet to get it. But sometimes you get hungry. You don't want to get this big meal or you get tired of fast food on the way. So Bill Bar is the perfect snack. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing with raspberry, mint brownie, chocolate, double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter. Go to Bill.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. Also, BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texas your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all platforms. Cody, before we got here for today's show, I think it's very important to look at Houston losing five players, excuse me, uh, during the game on Sunday. They will be with, uh, well, at least they lost Kamal Grugier-Hill, of course, as I mentioned earlier. Just kind of give you guys a rundown. Rex Burkhead, Justin Justin Reed, Desmond King, Brevin Jordan also went out. And I think that it's important to just kind of discuss very briefly how this will affect Houston moving forward as they prepare for their next game next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want to point immediately to Rex Burkhead. Right now, David Johnson is on the COVID list. Not sure when he'll come back. I'm sure whenever... We get that information. Cody will be able to break it to our viewers and listeners. But uh, Rex Burkhead had 11 carries for 40 yards. I thought he had a decent game Mm -hmm. considering how they use him. A total of 64 yards on the ground through the air. But uh, Hill, Grugier Hill is the player that I'm looking at. And I'm saying, man, how can Houston bounce back? Not necessarily bounce back because they are 2-11, but who can fill that void for a player that has been a hit? If we look at all the bad signings for Nick Casario, Hill has been a hit for this defense. He will be – he's expected to miss some time um, as well with this knee injury. So with him out, Rex Burkhead out, how will Houston kind of make up for that? And then the running back group, right? You know, uh, will Royce Freeman – 
get more carries coming up. He has to get more carries. Now is the time to go ahead and say, hey, Scotty Phillips, sorry for how we did you early in the year, but we need to go ahead and bring you up as well. They are in a tough situation. This whole season has been tough, but any any thoughts on how this team can kind of get ahead of the curve and as far as this injury bug that just hit them on Sunday? Not really in terms of these last four games of the season. I'm more so looking at this from the Justin Reed and um, Hill standpoint on how would this affect their pay for the offseason. First and foremost, when I take a look at Hill, you know, depending on, you know, how bad his knee injury is, and I'm pretty sure we would know that, know this later on in the day after he go through his MRIs. But, you know, if, if this is a situation where he's looking at, you know, a very serious knee injury, then, you know, you're looking at the standpoint of, okay, what would be the right price to bring him back? Because I know so good and well, he was literally probably a day away from signing an extension with this organization. And, you know, given how important he was to this team, I don't think, you know, Nick Casario and the Texans will actually let him walk or, you know, be a little bit, a little bit hesitant to bring him back. Only because you know, not only was he what was he important on the field, but he was also important in that locker room as well. You know, say what you want about the culture, um, say what you want about the word culture in this organization, but every team, you know, needs a winning and an important culture, especially for a team like the Texans that's going through a rebuild. And Hill was very important for the Houston Texans and that ass and and from that standpoint. So, you know, I don't know how much this injury is going to affect him coming back, but you know, when I take a look at Justin Reed, you know, he has a concussion. I'm very interested to see whether or not this latest injury he sustained, how is that going to affect him on the free agent market? And maybe because it seems like what every five to six weeks, Ever since he became a Houston Texan outside of his rookie season, we talk about Justin Reed and injuries. They go hand in hand. And prior to him missing week three against the Carolina Panthers, I believe he had like a little knee injury himself. He has looked really good and really healthy. Now, with him going down with this concussion, even though it's a a concussion, you can't really do much about that, you know, I'm very interested to see how our teams around the league are, are looking at Justin Reed and saying to themselves, you know, because of his injury history, is there an opportunity we could get him on a bargain? And if that is the case, will that open up the door for a possibility of him signing a one-year proven deal and return to return to the Houston Texans again? And, that, and I'm just looking at those two things from a standpoint of what those two injuries are going to do for those two guys in the offseason. Because look, it doesn't matter if it, if he'll returns next week if justin reed comes back next week king burkhead this team is probably going to lose out for the rest of the season so it's it really doesn't do much for me but of course all five of those guys that went down you know we pray for a speedy recovery for you guys but especially hill and reed i'm very interested to see how this is going to work out for them in the offseason i'm john hickman follow us on twitter at locked on texans like us on facebook also head to youtube subscribe like and comment as well Locked on Texas, and again, joined by the greatest co-host in the city of Houston, Cody Davis. Go ahead and get them boys where they can find you on Twitter. You can follow me at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Ladies and gentlemen, at least the Houston Texans was watchable yesterday, at least in the first half. First half was fun. Peace. <laughs> Peace.
You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.